I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at RAINNetwork.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. My name is Emma Kami, and I'll be your host today. The United States and the Philippines Mutual Defense Treaty, which was signed in 1951, has received new life under the administration of President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. as tensions with China are on the rise. With a series of initiatives to deepen the relationship, Manila finds itself both more able to defend its maritime claims, but also more at risk of becoming embroiled on the front line of a potential U.S.-China armed conflict, and thus a target for Beijing. As President Marcos visits President Biden in Washington, D.C., the trajectory of this relationship is only coming into clearer focus. Here with me today is Nate Fischler, an Asia-Pacific analyst at Rain. Welcome, Nate. Hi, Emma. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, what are the recent developments driving the reinvigorated U.S.-Philippines alliance? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, a good question. So as, as you mentioned, of course, this is an old alliance um, dating back to 1951. Um, to back up just a little bit, it really came under strain in the prior uh, presidential administration in the Philippines. That's Rodrigo Duterte. Um, he pivoted away from this alliance, uh, you know, decades-long alliance, and toward China. Um, but when Marcos was elected last year, um, this sort of started to change, although it was changing, to be fair, in the later part of Marcos, uh, in Duterte, excuse me, in Duterte's term. Um, but when Marcos came into office, it, it, the trajectory for the pivot back to the United States became very clear. And this was really underlined by um, reviving a, a 2014 agreement between the Philippines and the United States called the Enhanced Defense Cooperation Agreement, or the EDCA, um, now, this was signed in 2014 by former President Aquino and Obama of the U.S., um, but never implemented under Duterte. But Marcos came in last year and in November um, revived it. Now, what it does is it allows the United States to cycle in military um, assets and personnel in, uh, in, in bases on the Philippines, um, five of them, in fact. And then in February... Marcos and the Biden administration expanded the EDCA to include four more sites. Um, so we have a total of, of nine sites now that the U.S. military will have exclusive and, um, you know, de facto permanent access to. Um, and, and it's also different because these four sites are strategically located um, to face regional hotspots, in a, specifically in the South China Sea and the Taiwan Strait. Um, the prior sites were um, more focused on the insurgent movement in the southern Philippines um, and counterterrorism operations, but the, the, the tenor of this alliance has now switched to, to countering China. Um, and then the, just this week, President Marcos is in Washington, D.C., uh, meeting with President Biden. The two countries released a joint statement um, on May 1st. Uh, reaffirming the, the, quote, ironclad friendship of the alliance and demonstrating that the defense priorities are, are really at the top, front and center of this relationship. And that's probably how it's going to be um, going forward here, at least in, in the short term. 
Can you explain a bit how the Philippines benefits from this um, and if there are any risks associated with it? Right. Um, yes. So yes to both of those. Um, so the Philippines, of course, is in a longstanding territorial dispute with China in the South China Sea. Um, they have overlapping claims to maritime uh, you know, territory, waters. Um, and in these waters are key resources such as fish, oil, gas, um, and this is, you know, stopping um, resource exploration and exploitation, therefore harming the, the Philippine economy. China uses its maritime forces to push around the Philippines' much smaller Navy and Coast Guard. This has been ongoing um, for years at this point. So the Philippines has, you know, these territorial claims which are within the its exclusive economic zone. That's 200 miles, 200 nautical miles off its coast. Um, under the United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea, which China is also a party to, but um, tends to ignore it, basically, um, in terms of its uh, South China Sea claims. So basically what the Philippines gets out of this is muscle. They're able to um, theoretically stand up to China within its own EEZ and then proceed to um, harvest the, the fish and the oil um, and the gas and, you know, protect their territory, protect their claims. And the United States is, is very much um, vocal these days about how it supports the Philippine position on all of these territorial claims. So that is the benefit that the Philippines um, you know, hopes to receive from this, that it will give China pause when it um, launches incursions or when it, um, uh, I guess, sort of pushes them around. Um, they've chased away their vessels and the like. So they're hoping to put a stop to that. On the other hand, in terms of, of risk, because the United States wants, um, you know, access to these to these sites, and they're, you know, they're, two of them are strategically positioned to face Taiwan. Um, this very much risks embroiling the Philippines in a potential conflict between the U.S. and China over Taiwan. So you have uh, military, you know, U.S. military stationed in the northern Philippines, which is very short distance from uh, Taiwan. It could be vulnerable to um, attacks, strikes, even potentially a first strike, because these will become legitimate military targets in the event of an, of an all-out war. So um, not only does it risk Beijing's ire, which um, you know the, uh, China has already expressed that they're, they're displeased with these developments, but in the event of an actual war, the Philippines will be on the front lines, and these sites within their country um, will be legitimate targets, or at least that is the fear. So there's there's definite risk here. Um, there, there's both pros and cons uh, from the Philippine perspective. We know the new Philippine presidential administration is changing tact, uh, but what about the U United States? Uh, is there anything changing with respect to its approach to the alliance? Yeah, um, you know that's a good good question too. So right, so these these two presidential administrations. Um, you know, are, are pursuing their own policies. And the Marcos administration is wildly different from the Duterte administration, but the U.S. is changing too. So one of the concerns of Duterte, one of the things that drove him to turn away from the U.S. and toward China was because these incursions by the Chinese were happening um, at that time and before for many years now. And the U.S. really didn't do anything uh, to, to help out. So they had this mutual defense alliance Supposedly, if the Philippines is attacked and the U.S. is obligated to come to its defense, uh, Duterte completely lost faith in this framing of the alliance because when there were Chinese incursions, the U.S. Um, didn't didn't do anything, uh, frankly, to uh, defend its ally. 
Therefore, the U.S. is now under under pressure to demonstrate to Manila that times have changed, that the U.S. security guarantees are credible. Um, therefore, they have to sort of dispense with the ambiguity of prior administrations, um, just saying, you know, broadly, generally that, yeah, we'll defend you in the event of an attack. But now they really have to make this message clear and, and drop ambiguity to, to a large degree. Um, so that's really the change here from the U.S. perspective. They've also offered, um, you know, just more direct assistance, more direct involvement of U.S. personnel in Philippine missions in the South China Sea, um, specifically resupplying the Second Thomas Shoal in the South China Sea, which is um, which is uh, an interesting place because that is a, a makeshift Philippine base that houses a small contingent of Marines on board an intentionally grounded World War II era vessel. Um, so you just have these Marines hanging out on this um, decrepit boat um, on an island. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, but the, the United States is offering to help resupply that contingent, um, and that potentially puts it in direct um, the direct path of Chinese ships, Chinese vessels, and possibly confrontation. So this elevates elevates the likelihood of a direct maritime confrontation in the South China Sea between the United States um, and China, particularly in the event that it uses its own ships or its own personnel to assist the Philippines on these resupply missions. And these resupply missions are often fraught with danger because this is when um, China really does not want the Philippines to resupply this small contingency out in the, out in the South China Sea. And there have been prior incidents um, China's used water cannons, they've used military-grade lasers um, on, on ships on this resupply route for the exact purpose of deterring it, delaying the resupply. And even um, recently, we saw a, a Chinese vessel um, go directly in the path of a much smaller, uh, sorry, much smaller Philippine vessel, vessel on this resupply uh, run. So um, basically, the United States is... is driven to further clarify its position on the alliance and what it is actually willing to do to defend the Philippines in order to keep it in its camp, keep it within the regional security architecture that is broadly designed to contain China. And that includes other pieces um, and other countries in the, in the Asia-Pacific region, of course, which includes Taiwan and Japan and Australia. And the United States is also trying to cultivate a multilateral approach to the to the Philippines. They're trying to get Australia involved. They're trying to get Japan involved, and both of those countries are are, are seemingly reticent to um, or open to that as well to enhancing partnership um, all along this this broad regional security architecture that the U.S. is building with its partners in the region. So yeah, there are some changes here. Um, the U.S. does still have to keep a degree of ambiguity to what exactly will constitute an armed attack because they don't want the Philippines or China um, straddling that line. So they, they keep some ambiguity, but broadly speaking, uh, ambiguity is giving way to clarity in terms of what the U.S. is, is willing to do um, to defend its ally in the Philippines. Well, great analysis. Thank you so much, Nate. Learn how geopolitical events like this could affect your business with Rain Worldview. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. Sign up at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.